Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here on itrwrestling.com. Wherever you get your podcasts, my name is Kenny. I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you today? Kenny, I'm doing all right. How's yourself? I'm good, I'm good. I'm very glad to be sitting speaking to you. It's been a stressful weekend, but a very rewarding weekend. Thank you to everyone who came out in Glasgow and Manchester to see the William Regal Tour um, and for all of your uh, patience as William Regal gave everybody three minutes of his time um, on Saturday and Sunday, which, you know, always makes the, the beads of sweat begin when you know you've got a, a show to do. But uh, yeah, he was great with everybody and I hope everybody had a good time. Oh, what you mean is that was the VIPs. Yeah. He's giving everyone more time. So that delayed the actual stage show. That's what you mean, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Usually you do a meet, people do a meet and greets, you know, you tend to get about a minute with a wrestler. And I know it sounds like really short, but, you know, when you go up and you get something signed you know you might say hello but you know that tends to kind of be the gist of what you, you do at these things but regal would would very would very much want to get to know everybody and you know chat to them which you know is a great thing so um yeah it was good good that he uh good that he was able to do that but how have you been how was your weekend well i'm really good kenny can i just start about there's a lot of very happy vips out there yes the people who felt like they got value for money from regal so i mean you know they're the big winners right yeah, 100%. And, you know, that was kind of um, 
on Sunday we were at a new venue in Manchester called Gorilla, which was a great venue. The staff there were so helpful and so nice, and you know, but it was quite a tight squeeze for all of us uh, at the venue. And Regal was, you know, basically it was queued. He was on the stage doing the meet and greet. And it was queued right out the door, right onto the street. And um, you know, there was actually there was actually a, a gentleman and. He had tweeted uh, at the Inside the Ropes Twitter account, sort of saying that the event was a disgrace because really? he was out because he was just outside the front door, and you know it was really badly managed and badly organised and all this kind of stuff. So I so I made a point of kind of going through the the, the queue all the way to the outside and just kind of re- reiterating, you know, guys, he's taking time with everybody. So you're going to get your time. Uh, there was a, a bar kind of in the outer. When you got in the venue, there was like a little kind of almost lobby bar area. Yeah. Buy a drink and you could take that in with you. So there was a long wait to get to see him, but there was, you know, there was enough stuff there. And I think people by the end of it uh, were really happy. Um, he was really funny on stage uh, over the weekend. We talked about a variety of topics. We talked about, you know, the, the Hulk Hogan angle he did in 2002 on Raw. We talked about him traveling with Ric Flair. Um we talked about having Bobby Eaton go to the home of O.J. Simpson in 1995. Oh, yes, the Blue Bloods. I remember yeah. that angle, yeah. <laughs> so lot, lots of good stuff, lots of good advice for young wrestlers as well. Um, so, yeah, I think people are people enjoyed it. I know he enjoyed it. He, um, he's back home now. So, uh, yeah, on to Rob Van Dam tomorrow. So looking forward to that one. And that means that we'll be recording a day later. on the Yes, Slam. we'll be recording Power Slam on Friday. Uh, because we're doing London tomorrow, then Cork on Thursday, Cork in Ireland on Thursday, so I don't get back until Friday morning, and as soon as I get back in the front door, I'll be putting the earphones on, and Finn and I will be discussing pro wrestling, and um, we will on that podcast on Friday be talking um, you know, probably more at length about Antonio Inoki, uh, who obviously sadly passed away this past weekend, um, but you know, wanted to mention it now, so people don't think that we're you know, we're not going to talk about it. We are obviously going to talk about them, but uh, you know, we don't we don't want to shortchange people. On yeah, Sunday. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's you know a huge thing. I mean, he's a huge towering figure, probably the second. I don't know what he would say was the. I think it's certainly the most famous Japanese wrestler worldwide ever. I know in Japanese wrestling culture, I don't think he could ever top Ricky Dozen because he was the first, the first major megastar of Japanese wrestling. But I think Anoki with the Ali match, you know, running New Japan Pro Wrestling and just all, you know, entering politics and being, you know, to some extent in a, a success there. Although scandal was never very far away when it came to Antonio Inoki. Um, I mean, he was such a, you know, a towering figure, you know, figuratively and literally uh, in pro wrestling. And, um, you know, fascinating guy. But I mean, somebody I never really... He was. I never really well, had a, an emotional connection with him, Kenny. I've got to be honest. And I really tried with him. And I know he was a guy who was really good at, at pro wrestling and took it very seriously and was a trailblazer in so many different ways. Not all of them good. In fact, many of them were detrimental, I think, to the pro wrestling business. But, I mean, there's just, you know, he was he was a strange character, you know, with the things that he did, you know, and I did and- actually see a, a clip, um, and you know, maybe you can, maybe before Freddie, you could try and find find the full thing for me and send it to me so I can check it out. But I know there's a clip of uh, Inoki doing a match where somebody tried to shoot on him, and he then just kind of, 
you know, and he ends up kind of doing it back to them. It's quite it's supposed to be quite an infamous thing. Is that the, the great Antonio match? Yes. Big, yeah. yeah, big guy. Yeah, beat the I've, hell I've not seen it. I've, I saw somebody had put a little gif on Twitter, but if you do get a sec fan, you could send it to me. I would love to watch that before Friday um, just to get a bit of context to it. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I mean, someone I, I, Sorry, Kenny, carry on. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm somebody who's, you know, as I'm sure if you listen to any podcast that I do, I don't really watch Japanese wrestling, but if you were to say to me, name a famous Japanese wrestler, Inoki would be one of the two or three people that would immediately spring to my mind. You know, he just, he's someone who sort of like trans, it feels like to me he transcended just being a Japanese wrestler. Oh, like, without like, doubt, without doubt. But I mean, certainly back in the early 1990s when I was doing Superstars Wrestling and first started speaking to people in Japan, especially in the Japanese wrestling media, um, there was this real sense of, you know, indifference towards him because, you know, I would say, well, you know, what's Anoki doing now? And who cares? And he was very much viewed by a lot of the media types as like a Hulk Hogan. And it was all self-serving for him. Um, but everyone absolutely accepted that he was a legendary figure on, you know, in every way and was a huge draw. And for magazine producers, if you put Anoki on the cover in Japan, then it sold a lot of copies. So it was almost one of those sort of, you know, love-hate relationships where you're like, you know, when's Anoki going to step aside and let Fujinami or Riki Choshu, you know, or Kira Maeda, you know, one of these people take over and become the undisputed top star in New Japan Pro Wrestling? When's he going to put them over properly? When's he going to really step aside and let this company move on? Um, you know, that was very much the mentality of people in the business. Um, I remember the first match I ever saw of his was a match, I think it was called Bruiser Brody versus the World. It was like a compilation tape. And Stately Wayne Manor actually did the commentary on it. And it was a match between Anoki and Bruiser Brody. And it was a hell of a match. And Anoki just took it so seriously. You know, he was like a Luthez type guy. You know, he was when he was in there, there was no comedy. There was no silliness. You know, he, he treated it very much as a sport and just had this real serious sort of manner to him and a real aura. Even though he was quite slender, you know, he had this real sort of tough guy aura to him. And the match with Brody was wild. And Brody's, you know, he ended up in New Japan briefly and um, Brody, you know, who was, he was somebody who was a tempestuous, shall we say. And, um, you know, he ended up having a big falling out with Anoki, um, you know, because I think Anoki was really insistent that Brody put Anoki over and Brody didn't want to do that because he was, you know, he was allergic, allergic to doing jobs. He was a he had a this serious aversion to doing jobs, Bruiser Brody. He would lose by count out or DQ, but was pinned very, very few times after he became a major star. So there was a huge bust up between Anoki and Brody, and Brody then ended up leaving. And um, you know, so I mean that ended um that relationship, but it was a wild match. And like Brody's there storming through the crowd, and Noki's there wondering what's going on. And, it was, uh, yeah, quite something to see. But um, yeah, yeah, let's we'll, talk about it more on uh, on Friday, Kenny. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk more about him on Friday, um, so we get at the proper time. Listen, now, last week we did on Power Slam. We talked obviously about this about the Saraya promo on Dynamite. I did just want to ask you a quick question about last week's Dynamite. You know, one one of the real focuses they seem to have at the moment in AEW are the pushes of Daniel Garcia and Wheeler Utah. They're the two people right now 
Wheeler is doing the stuff with MJF to kind of keep him busy. And uh, Garcia is doing all the stuff with Brian Danielson and the Jericho Appreciation Society. What yeah. do you? How do you rate both of them, Garcia and Yuta's performances so far? Do you see? What do you see in both their guys' future? Because there's a lot of TV time being put into both of them, uh, with the hopes of some reward at the end. Um. Well, I mean, Wheeler Yuta, I think, was booed against MGF, wasn't he? One of their promo segments. Yeah. yeah. So was that the one? Was that the one in a Grand Slam? I think yeah, it was, it was one two weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, which is not a million miles from where oh, MGF is from. So I mean, that was a blunder. Pitting you two is not much of a promo against MGF, who I think most would agree is the number one promo guy in AEW and one of the best promo guys in the business right now. So I don't really understand why AEW would put Utah in such a potentially difficult situation. But, you know, there's a lot of things that I don't understand. Not just in AEW, <laughs> in pro wrestling, wrestling in general. What about, so, what about Garcia then? Do you see, I mean, because Garcia's arguably getting more TV time. Yeah. Well, he has. Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, it's been this long push. And it's like he's become, prior to... Um, the Wardlow MGF match, right? Mm. A double or nothing. Wardlow seemed like the the, the number one homegrown project to me yeah. in AEW. Yeah. And then M- they do MGF does his ex- you know his big rant at the expense of Tony Khan. Then he disappears, and then Wardlow had like a few sort of gimmick matches, including the one where he, I think he beat up was it a dozen or was it twenty security guards, something like that. It was a it was just absurd. It just it just made him look foolish. And then he did very little. He was used sparingly, maybe make an appearance on Rampage and squash someone. And then he turned up in the six-man match at All Out, which didn't really mean much. And it was just a match to give Wardlow and FTR something to do. And it just feels to me like Wardlow should have been the recipient of all that TV time. And had he been, right now Wardlow may be knocking on the door in the main event. And instead... They've given all this TV time to Daniel Garcia. And I want to say that Garcia has certainly gone up in people's estimations and he's more of a star now than he was before this huge push began. But I, I just don't really see any great value in him. And, you know, I mean, obviously there is a yield here because there's been a massive investment in him. But had that investment been put into FTR or Wardlow, I mean, I know the acclaimed are obviously doing well right now, the tag champs, or into someone else... I think, you know, had that investment been put into them, then I think AEW would have benefited far more than it has so far from Daniel Garcia. So, yeah, he's he's, he's done well. I mean, he's, he hasn't cracked under the pressure, and I'm sure he's loved working with Jericho and Brian Danielson and scoring that huge win and then putting Danielson over in what was a competitive rematch. I mean, this has all been, you know, really beneficial for Garcia and his self-esteem and... He has, his status has risen, but I just don't see stardom in him. And the same with Wheeler Utah. I mean, you know, it was, in a sense, it was logical booking what they did with Utah and John Moxley in the match in which Utah bled and then Moxley beat him. And then William Regal came out and welcomed him into the Blackpool Combat Club. And that was like a heartwarming moment. You know, it was a, a little step up there for Wheeler Utah. But to me, he still feels like a second match guy. I just don't think he's very charismatic. I don't think he really has much presence. 
His promos don't exactly electrify audiences. He's not bad in the ring. In fact, he's competent in the ring. In fact, he's he's pretty good in the ring. But I mean, as we know, Kenny, you need lots more than that to become a star. So I don't understand this massive allocation of TV time to these two guys. I believe the match they had for the title a few weeks ago, um, the ratings in that final quarter just fell off a cliff. Yeah. So, and you could say, well, you know, they're not stars yet, and this is all part of a growth strategy. Maybe it's like a growth strategy of another organization, not an organization, government at the moment. Maybe we need to not think short term here and think medium or long term. Maybe that'll pay off as well. And maybe this will pay off for AEW. You know what? I hope it does. And if Wheeler Utah and Daniel Garcia become huge stars as a result of all this, I will be the first to say I was wrong. Uh, well, there you go. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll no doubt if there's stuff that's happened on this Wednesday's Dynamite, we'll give it, a, give it a mention on Friday. Um, let's move on to the WWE stuff. We had SmackDown this past Friday. I've got to say, I'd really been enjoying SmackDown. I kind of felt this one was was a, was a bit of a, a, a show you could miss uh, compared to the other ones. It kind of felt they they've got all the built Extreme Rules kind of done. Uh, obviously, we didn't have Roman on the show. We did have uh, Sami Zayn in the Bloodline. Um, but let's go through some of the stuff that happened. We did have the opening tag match with Madcap Moss and Ricochet against Sami Zayn and Solo Sokoa, uh, with Zayn and Sokoa getting the win. Um, you know, we're further in the story um, there. It was, it was a decent opener. The crowd loves Sami Zayn, obviously. Yes, they were in Winnipeg. We should point that out. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and we got the thing afterwards where uh, Zayn and Sokoa are trying to get into the Bloodline locker room, but the door's locked. Uh, and then you know Jay comes out, tells Sam, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm here to make sure that you know Solo's doing good. He let Solo into the room, but then he told Sam, you know, you met everyone else full, but I see right through you. And if you ever think about the train, uh, us, uh, I'll get to you first. And then Sammy's kind of like, you know, trying to calm it all down. So that was really good to see some more stuff with Sammy and Jay. But um, the biggest thing on SmackDown that seemed to happen, Finn. Uh, of storyline consequence and significance was Max Dupree leaving Maximum Male Models. Yeah, yeah, uh, we saw we saw Max in the Maximum Male Models uh, trying to uh, do the Canadian record for longest pose. Yes, um, yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, let me just mention something about the only match first. Mm-hmm. Um, this was problematic for Madcap Moss. Because Zami Zayn was so popular, Moss was booed. And each time Zayn um, hit a near fall on Moss, um, <laughs> near falls were received as if it was a baby face trying to pin a loathe heel. Uh, so those, um, that was that must have been annoying for Moss. Yeah. He must have just felt like a spare part in this match, or rather in that match. And that's precisely what he was. But it was a big energy match. Um, I thought it was really, I thought it was well done for what it was. They didn't give too much away. There was just enough here. Um, Sokoa ended up, uh, sorry, Sokoa ended up pinning Moss, and then afterwards, Sokoa beat Moss down afterwards and continued to do so until Zayn kind of stepped in. You know, because you know we like Sammy, even though he's affiliated with the, with the Bloodline. You know, and he's technically a heel. We know that he's on the road to babyface dumb. We know that. 
So, I mean, he was trying to uh, calm Solar Sokoro up down. You don't need to keep beating Moss down. He's had enough. So that was a nice little touch there. And then I thought the stuff he did backstage with Jay was, was it was time for Jay to say something like that because he's there, hasn't he? He's been like seeded. Silent assassin. Yeah, he's been seeding. He's been... You know, he's been brooding. He hasn't really come out and said what he really thinks of Zayn. He said he doesn't like him, but he hasn't actually said why. And he communicated the reasons why he doesn't like Sami Zayn on this episode of SmackDown. I see right through you, Sami Zayn. And if you put the family in jeopardy, you know, I'm going to take you out. And Zayn just said, you know, if you've got any problems with me, you should take it up with Roman. And then he went into the... uh, into the bloodline dressing room. So yeah, it was, uh, and I like, what I like most about this story, Kenny, is it's moving really slowly. We've got week to week progression, but it's, it's slow build, which is, you know, what we've been crying out for, for a very long time. So, and then the next thing, sorry, then you mentioned uh, Max Dupree um, and Mansoir and Massé, who were attempting to beat or set a new record for the longest pause in Canada history. And we were told that they'd uh, they beaten Edge and Christian's five-second pose. They exceeded that. <laughs> uh, so he kept going back to that during the show and people would interrupt them. And in the end, uh, Maxine was there with a stopwatch. She's, she's doing like a, a countdown from 10 to 1. We're nearly there, 10, 9, 8, 7. And then I can't, was it three, two or three or whatever? And then Max entered the picture. He drilled Mansoir. And he just said, this is ridiculous. You know, this isn't for me. You know, I don't think it ever was. Takes his belt off, throws it at, I think he threw it at Mansoir. And then just said, yeah, like like L.A. Knight would or Eli Drake would have done. And then he stormed off. So maybe we'll have the reinvention this Friday on the season premiere of SmackDown. Would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the internal report as well. I know PW Insider said that internally he is now listed as LA Knight and that's what we're going to be getting. So, But I'm glad that Max... I mean, LA Knight will do well. I'm not worried about him. I'm just glad maximum male models are, are going to be sticking around with Maxine because in wrestling, we like silly gimmicks. They don't have to be the main event, but you you like a silly gimmick. And I think that they're a good kind of, you know, group that could just kind of be a lower card act that, you know, you can do backstage skits with, you can do the odd prelim match with. Um, and you know something might come of it. You never know. Um, oh, I, I agree. And there was a there was an eight man match a few weeks ago on SmackDown. We didn't actually talk about it that week on the podcast. And I thought uh, Massé and Mansoir were the glue that I'm not saying that any, everyone else needed help, but I thought they did a tremendous job of bumping, being in the right position. It was just all so seamless. And I think Massé and Mansoir have actually improved in leaps and bounds as pro wrestlers, as well as characters as well. I think these characters, I'm not sure how much mileage there is in these characters. I think this is probably as high as they're going to go, but that's fine because we are, we, you know, wrestling needs low-carb characters and needs people to inject some fun. And this is a hell of a lot better than the 24-7 title or any of the other stupid things that have happened recently. So, I mean, yeah. I would much prefer to see this act than the 24-7 title defended uh, on a weekly basis. Um, but I think because they've improved so much as wrestlers, Marseille and Mansoir, and I think because they've committed so wholeheartedly to this gimmick, I think they're going to have earned a lot of respect points, you know, a lot of brownie points backstage for going along with this. 
you know, and really giving it their all and showing their loyalty to Team WWE and putting, you know, putting the the act and putting the company before themselves. So I think they w- there will be a reward for this down the line. And then the only other thing I was going to mention from SmackDown was kind of, it felt a bit kind of house showy main event kind of thing. We, we had the Austin Theory Drew McIntyre match where Drew won by DQ because um, Alpha Academy got involved and then afterwards there's a beatdown and then Gargano and Kevin Owens end up coming out and that gives us a six-man tag main event. So, I mean, it was fun, but it didn't, you know, if you missed it, it doesn't uh, doesn't stop you from knowing any, you know, there's no storyline progression there. It's just kind of here's something for the crowd to make them happy and the babyface has got the win, McIntyre, Owens and Gargano. Yeah, I mean, you know, this was like a setup before the big SmackDown this Friday, which is, of course, then going to lead to Extreme Rules on the Saturday. Um, I mean, earlier on the show, Austin Theory had been backstage and he was going on about what an idiot Drew McIntyre was. And then Drew appeared behind him and demanded a match. And uh, Theory versus McIntyre ended up as a match. It was fairly short. DQ finish because the Alpha Academy was at ringside. Otis grabbed McIntyre, threw him into the ring steps and they called for the DQ. Then Johnny Gargano came out and then Kevin Owens arrived. And then that led to the six-man match in the main event. There was quite an interesting little addendum to that. Um, backstage, Kevin Owens ran into Sami Zayn. And Owens said to Zayn, you need a new shirt, buddy. And it sort of looked like they were going to shake hands or exchange warm words. But instead, Owens was a little dig there. But I'm still confident. I'm still confident, Kenny, that Owens and Zayn are going to end up as teammates and they will be the combo that dethrones Jimmy and Jay. That's my prediction. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right. I think that's going to be how, how it ends up. Um, well, let's, let's move on to Raw, because there's more that happens on Raw that's, that's kind of worth that conversation. Um, we had in the opening match, Finn Balor and Damian Priest getting a win over Rey Mysterio and AJ Styles. But the story of the match is that... Um, you know, Ray ended up uh, get, Ray ended up getting distracted. With, Rhea Ripley ended up taking him out of the clothesline. Um, and that allowed Balor to get the upper hand and Balor beat uh, AJ Styles with the coup de grace. And then after the match, uh, Ray Mysterio tries to help uh, Styles get up and Styles is pretty annoyed with him and shoves Ray Mysterio down, who then just leaves as the Judgment Day attacks Styles and Mysterio leaves him alone. So are we meant to, we're, we're meant to believe here that, you know, is is one of these guys going to turn? Is Judgment Day going to try and get another member? We've seen Judgment Day trying to recruit AJ Styles, so you know, a good good progression here of trying to kind of figure out who's going where and where the different uh, wrestlers are going to fit in in terms of their character. Yeah, and we should point out as well earlier. I mean, the Judgment Day opened the show, which was a big spot for them doing the show opening long promo. Um, Dominic had his little moment uh, in which he said that he hated Ray. Because his father had lied to him his entire life. But it was all right because he now had a new family, the Judgment Day. Uh, Then Balor moved on to saying that the Olive Branch had been offered to AJ Styles. And the offer to join the Judgment Day was still there because he was AJ's friend. Did you notice that uh, Balor actually got the, the day wrong? He said, yesterday I did this. And he's like, no, it wasn't yesterday. It was last week. And then <laughs> did that in-ring correction. And I thought the way he handled that, you know, on the 
off the cuff, you know, <laughs> ad-libbed, obviously, because he went off script. I thought that was really funny. And he just kept going, which was great. That's what you should do in pro wrestling. Like on a podcast, Kenny, when you get it wrong, just keep going. Just keep going. And we get it wrong enough on this podcast. So, right. yeah, that led to Styles and Mysterio versus, Rey Mysterio, that is, versus uh, Damian Priest and Finn Balor. Um, and Balor pinned Styles, as you said, after Ray had been taken out ringside and poor Ray. He just found out earlier in the evening that his son hates him. You know, and then he comes in and apologizes to Styles. It's my fault we lost the match. <laughs> Poor Ray. AJ was furious with him and shoved him down. I think Ray may have reached breaking point, Kenny. I mean, who's turning here? You know, who's who's is Ray gonna succumb? Is he gonna ask to join the judgment day? Is he gonna say, I've seen the light, I was wrong all along? You know, I need your help. Please take me in. What do you think? <laughs> I th- yeah, I mean, I think I think we're definitely going to see a turn of somebody. I think, I think something's good, and maybe AJ Styles initially does go with the Judgment Day. Um, maybe he, I mean, because I mean, AJ Styles is not exactly setting the world on fire. We talked about this, didn't we, recently? About yeah, he how... seems he seems lost at the moment, but it does feel like he's going somewhere, and it has to be a heel turn, even if it's you know an undercover, you know, and where he's not really, he's like a double agent. It could be one of those sort of heel turns where he. You know, infiltrates the Judgment Day and seeks to destroy it from within. Yeah, it, it could it could be that that could be the way that, the way that it goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, something, I'm, big, something big is going to happen because AJ. Oh, sorry, Kenny. AJ ordinarily does not do jobs as clean as the one he did to Finn Balor last night on Raw. Yeah, that's true. That is true. And we need something to erase that job from our minds. Well, I mean, yeah, we do. We, we really do. Um, well, listen, let's move on to the next thing on Raw to talk about. We did have uh, an appearance from Daniel Cormier um, because we'd uh, obviously Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle have got their big fight pit match. Um, Rollins ended up uh, actually attacking Bobby Lashley and Mustafa Ali after Lashley defeated Ali. And then we had Riddle and Rollins kind of going at it on the mic. When uh, Daniel Cormier popped up on the screen, he'd been announced over the weekend as the guest referee for, or the guest, yeah, the guest referee for the the fight pit match. Um, what did you make of the segment with the uh, Riddle and Rollins? And do you think Cormier does he add anything having somebody you know UFC fighter in there? Uh, well, maybe he doesn't add anything for me. I mean, I don't care about him, but for people who are UFC fans, uh, maybe he he adds a lot. You know, so we will see about that. Can I just mention Lashley and Mustafa Ali? To be honest, I'm more interested in that than what happened between Riddle and Seth Rollins. And Bobby Lashley had been backstage saying he wanted a new challenger, a drive and great determination. And Mustafa, Mustafa Ali rocked up and challenged Lashley. This had happened earlier in the day. That led to the match. Um, Ali initially refused to take a count out loss when he could have done. And then did not tap out to the hurt lock when Lashley applied it. So we had that, you know, Ali suddenly elevated to the, you know, the post of star babyface. Because as we know, you know, you've got to be a star babyface baby usually to um, to pass out from pain in a submission hold. Uh, typically a heel and certainly a heel of Ali's stature would immediately tap out to that hold. But he passed out with pain. And Lashley afterwards was apparently so impressed by Ali's heart and courage 
that he was going to go over to congratulate him. And at that moment, at that moment, Seth Rollins, he pounced, he destroyed Lashley. And then that led to the Rollins and Matt Riddle face-to-face confrontation. And we should point out, Kenny, that they uh, were banned from making contact with each other. So it was like this battle of the insults and neither one of them was was, was allowed to react physically to the other. And as this was going on, they played a pre-taped promo from Cormier where he was just saying, you know, you're you know, bickering, you know, we're going to sort it. In, I'm going to be the referee of this fight pit match. You're going to sort it. You're going to resolve it, settle it there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you. I'm not. I don't watch UFC. I don't really have any interest in it at all. If I'm honest with you, uh, I don't have time to watch it with with everything else going on. Um, but if you are a UFC fan, I imagine that this would probably mean something to you. What do you think, Kenny? Yeah, I mean, I think Cormier seems like quite a charismatic guy. Um... And I think that I mean I know he's kind of been a big WWE fan for years, so I think it'll be it'll be it'll be fun enough. I don't know if it's going to make people you know subscribe to Peacock to get it. Um, we'll see. But I think it, it makes sense to have somebody legitimate who's been a cage fighter to be there at the cage. I do I do need to say I hope I'm wrong with the Mustafa Ali thing. I I don't think that they're going to make him a star babyface at all. I think that they just on this night probably felt sorry for him because he's kind of just kind of there and you know they're, they're pushing loads of people and I think he's unfortunately just going to be always below the the level I mean I don't know the look that he had on this raw just seemed very completely different to what he looked like before um you know he's got the braids in he's got different gear but this just felt very like one night he's getting a, a match he'll lose it and he'll be back on main event this week but like you said earlier with like Garcia and Will you I hope that I'm wrong and I hope Mustafa Ali does get somewhere, but I I didn't see this as anything special for him, and I think he'll be I think he'll be back with Cedric and uh, Akira Tozawa within the month. But well, you could no, there was definitely some, there was definitely something different about the mat about the way in which the match was laid out because he didn't pass out to the hurt lock, and oh, Ali yeah, yeah, yeah. ordinarily would have just tapped out immediately, and he didn't. But that, I mean, that, you know, that could be a producer going, let's let's give the guy something. If he's good, well, if he's if he, but then again, I hope I'm wrong. I like Mustafa Ali, and I hope more things happen for him. And um, to me, one of the funniest things on Raw that I just thought was an absolute riot was the Miz on the phone with Maurice, and you know he's been he's been kidnapped every week by Dexter Lumis. We've not got to talk about it every week because it, it keeps happening. But um, there was a great moment where uh, Johnny Gargano's backstage about to go out for his match, and he sees the Miz laid out in a production crate being cradled by Dexter Lumis. And he sort of does a double take, turns around again, and there's just the Miz lying there, passed out, cl- holding, clutching a, a drawing of Dexter and Miz. And uh, Miz sort of gets up and just really, you know, alert all of a sudden and runs away. And jo- uh, Johnny Gargano goes, ah, Dexter, and walks away. Like, rewarded Finn. We're being rewarded that we watched the way in NXT. What a nice feeling. <laughs> well, yeah, it's that joined up booking isn't it storylines you know relationships you know bust ups or whatever things that occurred on nxt you know that should be relevant to what happens on the main roster and and it always annoyed me when it was ignored because it's obviously a same audience that's watching nxt as raw and smackdown obviously mm-hmm. larger audiences watch raw and smackdown um but yeah i mean i don't know where this thing's going with the miz and dexter loomis i'm really confused um, what are we now? Is it five, six weeks into this? It's got to yes. be, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, it, feel, it feels like weeks and weeks and weeks into it. I mean, it, they, they are finding inventive ways every week to have him do it, but is it going to lead to something, I guess, is the question. Yeah, one thing that really cracked me up, at the beginning of Raw, there was somebody holding up a sign which read, Please protect Miz. Please protect Miz. That's great. <laughs> There's at least one Miz fan out there, Kenny. One of them. There's one in the world. Um, elsewhere on Raw, the, 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 big, the big thing they were selling was obviously the Bianca Belair and Bailey ladder match. Uh, we had a, a contract signing. We had a, 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 a brawl that led to a, a very unfortunate situation where we had to watch Alexa Bliss in a main event again. Which is just, can we can we just can we send Alexa Bliss somewhere, Finn? <laughs> just brings that she's like she's like if you're having a if you're going to the pub and you're you're going to see your two pals and they've brought that pal that you just know is just gonna bring the night down. Yeah, that's who Alexa Bliss is. She's that pal. Yeah, yeah. Well. Anyway, you know, are you excited I, I, for I, I, Bianca and Bailey? I guess at Extreme Rules, did they do enough on this show to make you enticed to see their ladder match on Saturday? Um, I mean, I mean, I thought Bay, I thought Belair did well on the promo. Um, I thought she came across as really confident and um, really assured, and you know, she is, she knows she's a star. That's the image she was projecting, and she is a star. So, I mean. I'm I'm imagining that Bailey is going to win the title from her at Extreme Rules for all the reasons that we've discussed previously. And I think Bailey needs this win. Um I could I say actually I thought she had a decent match with Shotzi on SmackDown, Bailey. And mm-hmm. that doesn't it's not very often that you can say that Shotzi had a decent match. No, Bailey, no it's not. You know, <laughs> Bailey weaved. You know, that was, uh, you know, the virtuoso Bailey. People think, well, she's not as good as she once was. Well, she had a pretty good match with Shotzi. And show mm-hmm. me someone else who's had a pretty good match with Shotzi this year. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, they're saying it's the, it's the first ladder match for the Raw Women's title. I mean, I'm sure we've seen TLC matches before, haven't we? I'm sure we have. Yes, I think we, yeah, but I don't think specifically a ladder match. Okay, I think that's. Well, I think that's yeah. the, there's they're, they're using a technicality there. I think. Yeah, I mean we've. I mean you know if you go back to the it's actually four years ago now, isn't it? The the women's pay per view. Mm-hmm. I mean, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. There was ladders in that match. So I mean we've set certainly and obviously we've seen money in the bank. So it does feel like a little bit of a stretch to be saying, oh, it's this groundbreaking moment that the Raw women's title is going to be defended in a ladder match when we've seen all these previous women's matches involving ladders. So I'm not quite sure why it seems like, yeah, I just, I don't really know why they've gone down that route, to be honest. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm really hoping they're going to have a good night because it feels like Bel Air is stalled and Bailey really needs this title win. And I think, you know, damage control if they've got all the women's belts or at least all the women's belts on that brand, then I think that will be good for them as a faction. And, you know, possibly, you know, as well, part they will, I'm sure that will then qualify them for three of the places in the War Games match at Survivor Series, which I do feel like they should be, they should be in. Um, but I mean, I'm wondering what Bel Air's going to do after she loses the belt. 
I'm perplexed. I don't know where she goes next. She kind of feels like her career has peaked to me, Kenny. Yeah, no, I can see that. I mean, yeah, there's, uh, what, what do you do? I mean, I think this yeah. year they'll, they'll get her into something in, in the new year, I'm sure, but what does she do until then? But, I mean, there is more. there are more women now on, on the roster than there were before, so hopefully yeah. there'll be more people for her to potentially get into a programme with. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the problem, of course, is that Becky Lynch is off TV. Charlotte Flair's not on TV at the moment. When they return, they will both obviously receive big pushes. I'm minded to believe that Sasha Banks, okay, she may not return to Raw Rumble, but I'm convinced she's returning fairly soon. And I think it could well be Banks-Bailey at WrestleMania, because I think that would be such a thrill for those two to have that match. Mm-hmm. For the title, so I can see Bailey's title reign lasting all the way until WrestleMania. So yeah, not really sure what Belair does next. So I think she might be in a bit of a tough spot post Extreme Rules. Yeah, I, I I think you're right, but you know, hopefully now we've got new people in charge. This this is the test. You know, this yeah. is what this is what this is what Triple H is is here to do. He's here to show us that you know before. We would always get really worried about people in this scenario, and now, you know, if now now that Triple H is in charge, is he going to be able to, you know, take somebody like you know, say Charlotte was to lose a title, or if Bianca loses a title, or whoever loses a belt, we should get to a point where hopefully we are not questioning what they're going to do next, which is something in WWE we do have to do quite a lot, and we have had to do a lot over the years. So I think Belair is going to be a really good test for Triple H to see. To see how how he's going to deal with that, because it's a pro- it's one of the problems in modern wrestling is that when there's not belts on the line, it is not a lot of people get kept hot as 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 acts. Seth Rollins is actually someone who deserves a lot of credit. I don't think he gets for how much he fe- still feels like a big star. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. I know he gets look he gets positioned in big matches. I'm not saying that you know it's not like he's on main event, but Rollins always make, feels like he's really over even if the belt's nowhere near him. And that, that's a talent, I think. Oh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I would, I would think that Rollins, I mean, surely Rollins, I would think Rollins, I can't imagine that Rollins is going to defeat Matt Riddle in the fight pit because Riddle needs this win more than Rollins does. But I don't think it will damage Rollins one iota. Maybe Cormier will be involved in the finish and the old, you know, heel, you know, there yelling at the... Uh, the special referee and this, you know, the old Mike Tyson, Shawn Michaels thing, or who was it? Buster Douglas and Randy Savage, wasn't it? Buster Douglas drilled Savage. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, it was Buster because it was supposed to be Tyson initially, right? And then it wasn't. It ended up being yeah, because he lost um, the fight, didn't he, to Buster Douglas? So they got yeah. Buster Douglas in instead. Um, so it would not surprise me if Cormier was involved in the finish and drilled Rollins and then Riddle pinned Rollins. Um, or submitted him or whatever. Um, yeah. And, I mean, so I guess in a way that would be then an excuse for Rollins on the finish. Um, but I st- and actually they've already announced Rollins versus Lashley for next week's Raw, haven't they? Yeah, so he's got somewhere to go even if he does lose, which is the way that it should be. You know, there's, yeah. no, there's no need to do both. But um, elsewhere on Raw, the other thing I wanted to mention that I just thought was really fun was the kind of succession of matches with Johnny Gargano and Otis into... Braun Strowman and Chad Gable. I just thought they were really fun matches. Um, and, you know, Alpha, I was sitting watching it with Sondra, actually, because Sondra's obviously still here for the tour. And um, she was saying, isn't it, isn't it so nice to see an Alpha Academy 
doing stuff constantly. I mean, that that German suplex that Chad Gable did to Braun Strowman, that was exceptional. Well, it well it was, yeah. That's right, yeah. I mean, you know, Strowman, I think Strowman might have just jumped a little bit, Kenny. <laughs> I know, but yeah, look, you know, I, Chad, G- Chad Gable still did his part of that. You know, oh, yeah, of course he did, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just... <laughs> Course, I'm just being silly. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it did look really good. And um, you know, Strowman almost sort of rolled out of it and then realized, oh no, this, you know, we're doing a pin here. Mm-hmm. We're doing a, uh, a near fall here, rather. And um, so, um, and I've got to say, I, I enjoyed Braun's performance here. It was different. He showed a lot of vulnerability against Gable, who was slapping him around, you know, yelling at him, you know, this is my ring, you know, this is my town. You know, you're nothing. And then Strowman made the comeback and pinned him after a power bomb. But I mean, it was, it was, I think it was a, a good performance from Chad. Uh, we talk about them every week, don't we? Chad mm-hmm. Gable and Otis, the Alpha Academy. And they really are, you know, these unsung heroes of Raw <laughs> and SmackDown as well, some weeks. And have you noticed, Kenny, isn't it weird that people just now appear on both brands? Yeah, the brand split seems to be over. Yeah, we've got people appearing on brand different brands all the time, and it's not even brought up as a an event or anything unusual, which begs the question: How are they going to sell the Raw versus SmackDown War Games matches at Survivor Series? Well, uh, Triple H said that it's not going to be Raw versus SmackDown. Ah, okay. So I think I think I think he's going. I mean, I, I do wonder long term what the idea is. Then do we just sort of see? Like, how are they? Are we just going to see everybody everywhere? Maybe that is the plan. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like this, you know, this um, Friday. Well, actually, it's. Uh, have we got what have we got? Well, this Friday, we've got Seamus this... versus Gunter, haven't we? And we've got the Bloodline. They return in full force with yeah. Roman Reigns. But are the Bloodline appearing on Raw next week? I think they are. Yes, they? they are. Yeah. They are. So um, they're not announced for Extreme Rules. So it'd be interesting if they end up showing up at that as well. But um, yeah, I think um, I think they'll make an appearance. Maybe actually, if Roman Reigns is going to be there for Raw and he's going to be there for SmackDown, he'll pr- may well do an appearance at Extreme Rules as well. But I don't think they're going to be wrestling. No. So uh, it's the Reigns Logan Paul confrontation, isn't it? This Friday on SmackDown. Yeah, it should be pretty interesting. Should be pretty interesting. But anyway, listen, that's I mean that's a bit for 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 raw for the big stuff that happened. Um, we will be back on Friday, as I say, as we mentioned earlier, uh, due to the tour. We'll be back on Friday to cover a bit more about Antonio and Okay. I'm sure there'll be more news by then as well. Uh, but you know, do please check out the new issue of Inside the Ropes magazine. You can either get it in the shops at WH Smith, or you can get it inside-the-ropes-magazine.com and you can subscribe where most months you do receive your magazine a little bit early, a couple of days early. So it's always a nice perk of the of it. Um, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can subscribe at patreon.com forward slash inside-the-ropes. There is a cracking new edition of what else is going down up there right now, which you can check out by Mr. F. Martin, um, that I would encourage you to go and look at. Um and plenty and, of other stuff. And, and that is my exclusive column, if you weren't aware, which is, you know, all new stuff. So um, yeah. actually some stuff in there is like, you know what? I'm going to have to use some of that stuff in, well, not the same, but some of that stuff, there's actually one thing I wrote and I thought, you know what? I can extend that and turn that into a bigger story for the next issue of the magazine. There you so, go. 
But uh, yeah, check out my check. I thought my favorite comment in there was about Mansoir Kenny. That comment just came to me out of the blue, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to include that one. <laughs> and as you as you should have, as you should have. Yeah. Uh, do yeah, do go check it. I'm sure you know if you if you're subscribed to Patreon, you check out those uh, columns. You're also obviously a subscriber to the magazine, so um, it's a nice extra for uh, pledgers so we hope you'll check out and we have not forgotten we will be doing the thing that we said we were going to do post tour as the final part of our five year anniversary celebration so we will be doing that i think we're doing that next week right yes i think so well we won't say what it is but it's gonna we're gonna be doing a review of a classic event aren't we kenny yeah one that i've never seen the full way through. I've seen bits and pieces, but I've not seen, so I'm quite excited about it. So we'll be doing that next week and we'll drop it once it's done. Um, and then before you know it, it'll be time for No Mercy in the Retro Podcast. But there, there's so much uh, content on the Patreon that we hope that you will go and check us out and help keep the lights on. So Finn, I look forward to speaking to you on Friday and I hope that you have a nice week until then. Yes, I'm just working on my Q&A at the moment, Kenny. I'm about halfway through it. So, uh, yeah, hope your shows with uh, Rob Van Dam go well. Yeah, fingers crossed. So, I want to thank you. Maybe I'll see somebody in London tomorrow. Maybe see somebody in Cork on Thursday. Oh, oh yeah, I did mean to say uh, on this day, WWE, the gentleman behind that account on Twitter did come up to me on Sunday and introduce himself and uh, was very nice and was very complimentary about uh, our podcast, Finn. So. Oh well, thank you very much to him. I am I have been in touch with him a number of times on on Twitter. So uh, yes, we do have. Fairly regular communication, but yeah, it was very nice of him to do so. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.